Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth. Yeah, six sounds right. Sixth episode of uh, 12 for a penny. I'm Scott, that's Seth. We actually both coinkledinkly have the same last name. This is a show where I take a record from my generation, give it to the kids, see if he likes it, and I get one of them albums from them young whippersnappers, and we see if us old people can vibe on it as well. So we're gonna jump right yes, into we, we it. see if old people can vibe with with folksy guitar music yeah exactly <laughs> shocking new stuff it's a heck of a stretch on that one right um oh seth i did want to tell you that i saw today that um in the i want to say it's the national recording archives they inducted 36 chambers and tribe mm. low in theory Same oh year. yeah so pretty freaking awesome I've actually wanted to like do like say something or make a video or talk about it on a podcast about the national like like the Library of Congress and the recording and the archive mm-hmm. and stuff. It's a fucking good catalog. They got a lot of good stuff in there, and you know you you would think ideally they would, but they have a lot of, of bangers in there. Well, I feel like now that I, I'm justified and that I raised you right, so there we yeah, go. We've committed we've committed too many felonies. <laughs> I need to move this light real quick. I'm dying over here. All right. Oh, I'm also I am wearing shorts with the suit because it's Sunday. I can't be bothered. Yeah, it should be. Oh, and on that note, also, we are filming on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to any of you that are watching or planning on being. And hey, who knows? One of these records that we're talking about might make a great belated Mother's Day gift. I know one of them definitely will. um tell you what i i'd like to start on this because it's gonna it's gonna go a ways and uh it's probably gonna go a lot of different directions and i would like to be able to discuss this before i have too many of the silver chalices so the record that seth gave me is sufyan stevens illinois um and just to bail me out because i know i'm gonna mispronounce his name like a thousand different times tonight (laughs) so seth what did you give me permission to call him uh subaru subaru, subaru. You'll, you'll get you'll get some cool bonus points for calling him subaru it's okay, a little, can... it's his government name i believe is sufyan i've always heard it said sufyan stevens but subaru is a is a little nickname that they have for him well that he had that they have for him well i actually wrote it phonetically and then i saw it spelled phonetically three different ways so i haven't a clue so we'll go with subaru <laughs> on that um so how did you find this record i found this record um this was one of the i'm trying to think when i first heard this this was one of the first records that i found when i was seeking out uh music records that people had talked about and celebrated um i heard this from the same time that i heard neutral milk hotel i was kind of in uh fleet foxes i was kind of into the folksy stuff and then I think, I don't know, most communities online, this isn't like a hidden album by any stretch of the imagination. It's talked about on all forums online. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard it, I saw it discussed either on Reddit, on any, just somewhere on the internet. It wasn't like a Eureka moment or anything. And do you remember like how old you were when you heard it? We still had Bo. I wasn't, it was... About when I started driving, probably when I was 15, 16 is when I first heard it. So you were driving around listening to this in the car. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, my one of one of my favorite things to do was to take uh our dog Lambo and I would take him in the car, we'd drive over to Cloverdale, and we would, I would just walk around and uh, listen to the this this seemed like the good environment was walking with your dog listening to Sufjan and Steven. So that that's what we did. Okay, interesting. Um, and why why did you pick this album for me? I picked this record because well, it's one of the um when I first heard it, I this was in an, a, a time in my life where I hadn't listened to too much music that had had a lot of thought from the author about what it was going to be. I hadn't quite listened to a lot of uh, seminal records. Um, and this was one of them. And when it hit, it hit. Um, I mean, I'm 16 listening to this and I, I'm like, oh man, all these emotions that this guy are feeling, man, dude, this is wild. Um, and Sufjan Stevens is an artist whose sound changes, but in like musically it changes, but it's always him behind the helm of it. And I know that you are a big fan of a good singer songwriter. And so I thought that this would be uh, a good, a good one, a good one, something that you could hopefully jive with and uh, appreciate the songwriting. Okay, so for me, this particular record of what you've given me thus far has been without question the most challenging record to listen to um, and not in a bad way. It's, I've probably heard five or six different things when I listened to it. And quite honestly, I didn't know how to listen to the record. Um, the first time I listened to it, uh, I was actually fishing. So it was kind of just background noise. And um, it was just kind of interesting and, and the horns and the, the kind of Baroque styles and the weird beats or the weird uh, rhythms and, and stuff that hit. And then um, it's like, did, did he just say John Wayne Gacy? And so I kind of started listening a little bit more intently. And then I realized I was, I wasn't giving a fair shift at that, which I do listen to most of the records that way the first time, but I wanted to go home and listen to it again. And this is the first one that I listened to where I actually listened to it. Like, like I was like 17 again, and really just put on headphones and tuned everything else out and just listened to the record. Um, and I knew I didn't get everything. I knew I didn't. And so I listened to it again without pulling anything up, which I haven't done on a record yet. Cause I usually at this point in time, pull up lyrics or I'll pull up um, something about the album. And I just, I just didn't get it. There was something that was missing on it. And then all I could hear was, was as a musical. That's the only way I could listen, like actively listen to the record is this is done like a musical. There's an overture. There's an intro, there's a song, there's an uh, instrumental outro. And then they have piano lines and bass lines that come back to the original overture or the intro to it, which is, and I'm not gonna try to name all the, the song titles on this album because they're super yeah. long, they're really funny. Um, they're really creative, but it was like concerning the UFO sighting. Oh, sorry, I can't play that, okay, fine. <laughs> That's all right. Let less than five seconds. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah. um, so it called back to that. Um, and, and quite honestly, I, on probably the fifth listen, when I finally did pull the lyrics up, um, 
again, I kind of wondered if I was smart enough to get all this. I just didn't get all of it. I would say if you're from Illinois, that this is probably like, yo, yeah, shout out. <laughs> you're like crazy about it. And uh, so I did finally go to like a cheat sheet and kind of started pulling some of the, the lyrics off. And this is what this is. And this is what that is. And, um, you know, I got some of the Easter eggs and some of the stories. Um, but I, I, I prefer to speak in the albums, kind of like a more of an overall arc to the album because there's no way you can dive into all the songs i believe this was a this was a double right when it came out it was a double it album. must be it must be i i own i own the record and i'm pretty sure it's a double lp it's it's got a, a, a ton of songs and there, i mean some of them are like six seconds long i mean there's like yeah. just a lot of instrumentals and stuff too um but i can't begin to explain how difficult this record must have been to have written um because he wrote it it's it's quite literally about illinois it, it quite literally is that's not just a song title it's it quite literally is the entire album is about illinois and um if i believe in the mythology that i read he was gonna he said he was gonna do all 50 albums or all 50 states and yeah, we, we were and, waiting on state 47 for uh about 10 years now <laughs> yeah that never happened and his first album i guess was michigan which is where he's from or something about michigan where he's from and it was incredibly well received um so this doesn't sound gimmicky it doesn't sound um it's more it's conceptual it's conceptual yeah it's it's oh it's definitely a concept album um but it's a different concept album than you've probably ever heard um you know one of the one of the things that we talk about on here is would you recommend this you know to your friends or would you recommend this to people you know like my age and stuff like that and on this album i would say no um not to everybody i would recommend that everybody give it a listen i guarantee you that a lot of people won't like it on the first listen, if they just give it a, a perfunctory listen like that, this is an album that you have to listen to multiple, multiple times um, to just kind of figure out what the hell's going on. And quite frankly, I'm I'm still not sure if I know what what the hell's going on and everything. Um, I will say this: he is a heartbreaking lyricist. He is also a hilarious lyricist. Um, there are so many just funny lines and like Decatur is really funny it's just there's you know find anything oh, possible nice. to rhyme with it um Helly calls out cream of wheat in one song <laughs> um and basically kind of as an overview he goes through and talks about basically like kind of different different cities in Illinois um different things in Illinois there's again a million easter eggs in here um but it also talks about like all the all the small stories that happen, you know, in a town and then and collectively in a state and why you have pride in that town or why you have pride in that state. And again, why you regret certain things in that state or certain or certain things in your town that happen. Um, he can definitely make you cry. Uh, not ashamed to admit that on a couple of the songs. Um, and he can make you laugh out loud on this record. Um, it's not an easy listen. I know Seth uses the term homework listen, which I completely get. Um, I would probably kind of classify this in into like kind of maybe a maybe a homework listen. Um, but this is this isn't a, a 100 level class listen. 
This is a master class lesson. Um, the, the overall things that I read online, like reviews and stuff, is this album is heralded as a classic. Uh, Pitchfork had it as their number one album of the year. NME had it as number seven. Um, Spin had it eight. Stone had it nine. Um, it was five top tens. It was given, I saw eight 100 out of 100s on there. And Shit. these are by, and, and these are by like legitimate sites that, you know, like I, I cite NME a lot. That's a big one for me. New Music Express. That's one that I, I put a lot of stock into what they do because they're pretty snobby about music. Um, Pitchfork gave it a 92, Spin gave it a 91, um, on, I think it was on Clash, they ranked it 10 out of 10, and they had the 10, it was one of the 10 perfect albums of the 2000s, and they likened it with, uh, uh, Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, um, LCD Sound System, Sound of Silver, and, uh, The Strokes, Is This It? which that is a perfect record, by the way, if you've, Seth's done a thing a long time ago, if you haven't heard it, do yourself a favor, listen to that record. You can't not like that record. I don't care if you Phenom. It It's been the best of around for 20 years running now. It's crazy. It, it's, it's fantastic. Not to get off on that tangent, but that's where this is, is on there. Um, mm. So I just want to talk about a few of the, what I would call more of the songs on the record because there are a lot of instrumentals and there are a lot of call and response stuff. And um, again, John Wayne Gacy Jr. Uh, it, that, that's a brilliant, a brilliant song. Um, it's not what you think it is, but it kind of is also just from the title alone. Uh, you can find it, it's been streamed millions of times. Um, and it is an incredibly difficult song to write lyrically where you're not praising this guy, uh, but at the same time, you are trying to understand him to a degree. It's, and then, it's not quite romanticizing him, but it's like, no, not, not it's, it's like, it's not, yeah, it, it's not, it's not vilifying him, but it's understanding him mm. and quite possibly um, empathizing to a degree especially okay. with that like last stanza yeah 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 no spoiler alerts on that um i'm not remotely doing the song justice by describing it um listen to it um it's grown up ass music and it is an incredibly incredibly powerful song um now we'll go to like to come on philly illinois and it is illinois not illinois it's actually written illinois <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's a two-parter it's hilarious it's funny um because if it's hilarious it's got to be funny but <laughs> it's also um there's also a lot of cool call and response parts of it um and something that's really that's really interesting on the on the record is the background vocals on several of the songs are repeating the same line over and over, but it's really subtle. Um, and that's where going to like a lyric website is very helpful because you might not catch it the first few times, um, but it's repeated on the album multiple times. Um, and again, it is a two-parter. It's, it's a really, really killer song too. And these are not songs that 
you know, for us older folk that you're going to throw on the old Victrola and, and dance the Watusi to. Um, but these are how it used to be back in the day where you're going to sit in a quiet room and you're going to listen to an album and where we used to be able to, you know, read the lyrics on the, on the, the vinyl. I mean, you'll pull up a website and read along to it. Um, Tallis Man Brought His Shoulders, again, another two-parter um that is a it's a brilliantly written song um it's incredibly deep um all the carl sandberg stuff that's in it um there's a call out to the native americans that had to run for their lives during it that if you don't listen to it you won't hear it um the way that he does it and again that's a call over on the on the background vocals as well that that's um, amazing. Uh, Chicago is another standout track, which you would expect. It's probably the biggest track on the album. Um, it's it's, as the, it's far the easiest, as just, most fun. Yeah, as sound, which makes sense. I mean, it's Chicago. It's you know, it's it's the it's the big play. It's the big thing. <laughs> um, and that's great. And then um, Casimir Pulaski Day, if I pronounced that correctly. Um, I don't know if there's a better song that's been written that you could be 10 or you could be 80 and you would feel the same emotion and you would understand the emotion. You would get what he's saying. You would understand the emotion, even if you had never gone through that experience in your life. Um, I'm not going to talk about that song in depth because I want people to listen to that song. If you don't take anything else away from this and you listen to the first couple tracks and you're like, wow, this is really bizarre. Listen to that song as a standalone song. And I defy you to tell me that you've heard a better written song about that subject matter because it is freaking incredible. And I won't get into the whole um, religious aspect of it and all that because that's an amazing conversation that you can have after you listen to it as well about, you know, is it fair to doubt religion or fair to doubt faith or can you do that? Um, it's, it's amazingly powerful. Um, and it is all, all of the songs that I listen to, they're all definitely worth a listen uh, for sure. Um, a million percent, but that song is as a standalone is an amazingly powerful song. And I'm curious, which, what song did you relate to or which songs jumped out to you when you listened to the record, the ones that you would play? The, I'm just going to also, I'm just going to uh, second everything you just said about that song, because that song is probably my favorite song on the record. And to talk about the, like the doubting religion thing, that is, that shows up a lot in his music. There's a mm -hmm. lot of talk about the cross talk about christ what it what it all means and and it's never it's always it's never like endorsing or not endorsing it's always just a conversation about it and i think that's why people love sufyan um but the tracks that i probably came back to the most when i was listening to it and most of the tracks i still come back to the most chicago just because that's the song you can play for people you don't play cast yeah. on your day for people but uh, John Wayne Gacy, I love that song. But the one, the two that I listened to most were Casimir and Perluski Day and um, uh, a Predatory Palisades. Palisades, Palisades. That's, that's the yeah. one. I listened to those two. That's a good one too. On 
re-fucking-peat. Casimir Fidlisky Day. It was just, it's so, on a, it's strange because for an album that's so quirky and there's so much, um, like, hidden stuff and there's, a, there's, it's so dense, it's still so fucking personal. It's still mm. so personal. And Casimir Fidlisky Day really is, like, this just gut punch. And it, it's not cheap. It's, like, just... It's, I don't even know if it's a gut punch. It just is what it is. And it's not, fuck, no. It's, it's a phenomenal song. It's a phenomenal song. Those two were the ones. Well, the way that I felt when I listened to it is, um, I mean, you know, I'm a big Springsteen guy. And just make your own jokes. Old guy likes Springsteen weird. Um, <laughs> but people that are big Springsteen fans is like, you know, he could write a song and it relate, and you could relate, it related to me. It, you know he it just it did he th- that's the reason that i'm such a fan and a lot of people that are my age is he would write these songs about you know the midwest and, and tough times and stuff like that and you could relate to it and even if you'd never been there or done that i mean i was you know 16 17 i didn't know sh- shit about shit and i'd never really gone through hard t- times mm-hmm. but you know i didn't lose my job at the factory and I, I didn't know anything about it but i could understand what that feeling was and i could understand how he felt mm-hmm. and on this particular song, you know, unfortunately I have gone through something like this, but everything about how, how you, I almost touched your blouse. I know that sounds like a throwaway line that doesn't mean anything out of context. It's dead stop perfect in the way that it's done and the way that he says and The way it. that it's delivered too. Yeah. It's, it's written beautifully. He just has so much uh, just like boy it's like just boyish charm it's fucking it's so um pristine and like just truly heartfelt and sincere yeah and uh there's there's a that entire song is that i'm not do i'm not doing it justice there's a million lines that if you've gone through the experience that he's talking about It'll put a lump in your throat at the bare minimum. It'll make you cry otherwise. Uh, it's it's that well written. Um, it's just it's just it's perfect. And uh, it's, it's, it's fucking perfect. And you know it's it's really interesting that as I've kind of gone back and, and done a little bit of research on him um, and just on the album in general. You know, I mean, he wrote he wrote the songs. He played a lot of the instruments on the songs. So he's and there's a shit ton of instruments on this song. Can um, name anything? Yeah, it's it's in there. He played a lot of them. Um, I think he said over thirty different instruments that he played on the record. Shit. Um, and the other thing, okay, and this is I don't know, I don't know. If this is me reaching, or if this is me. Um, I was thinking about work today and (laughs) that's what works for thinking again you know i i keep listening to the album as a musical that's just i can't get that i can't get away from it that's that's what i've decided Hmm. on and that's that's where i'm going with it so then i'm thinking so is that a nod to like oklahoma where he sequenced it and did it like a musical of a state name is that you know me opening my third eye is that you know but <laughs> like i thought about it for like an hour and i wasn't even gonna bring it up and then i thought well maybe i'm the most clever bitch in the room and no one else got that and so after i said i was too stupid to understand the album maybe i understood it perfectly 
on that. But so if that's not even remotely true, then I don't know. You made me think about it. So kudos to you, good sir. Um, I said all that being said about about the record. Um, said there, there'll be a lot of people that will listen to this and they'll be like they can't get through it um and the thing is it's not it's not you know like hard on the ears at all it's, it's this, this isn't this isn't better this isn't jpeg mafia no 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 it's it's like some of the stuff stuff sounds like you hear at a renaissance festival i mean it's not <laughs> hard to listen to um it's just it, it, it's just a you know a concept album that ties track to track to track to track and uh and there's tons of callback on it again so i think it's musical um but you know it's it's definitely you know i have a lot of friends that i know for a fact that they would listen to like the first two or three tracks and they'd be like dude seriously you know snooze fest exactly because <laughs> this is this is also like the definition of a critic slash record store guy album i mean a thousand million percent yeah. for sure um because some of the reviews that i read i mean they were wordy we'll, we'll put it that way they were wordy um and it's a pretty wordy record it is and a lot of the words are incredibly well done but this is this is definitely one of those and hey i'm like i'll give it's not it's not an exact comparison but you kind of brought it up so i'm a big wilco fan and this is okay this is kind of along that line, but instead of having, you know, kind of more of the, um, like the, the, a, a rockish tone to it, it's definitely more folk and, and like Seth said, Baroque, I mean, that, that is definitely a style. There's a lot of horns. There's, there's a freaking glockenspiel on it. Um, multiple times yes. on it. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's got that different sound, but this is one of those that when it came out and people listened to it, just even on the surface, it sounded like, you know, it sounded different enough. And um, so that was, I, I, I suppose, of, of music that I listen to or people that my age that might be somewhat familiar. I think Wilco is kind of an apt comparison. Um, I would certainly agree. Certainly agree on that. Even a bit, uh, even a bit vocally. Uh, you know, I know you said this, you know, the, the vocal style about it. Not at all. I, I mean, that, that didn't even actually, if you wouldn't have said it, I wouldn't even have thought about it. Um, it would have never came up. So um, it's a... It's a thought-provoking, um, deep, really interesting record that would take a ton of listens to. Um, and I still don't think maybe you'd probably get everything out of it, even at that, because there's a lot of just little stuff that, um, if you're not familiar with the source material, which I'm not you know, super familiar with the state of Illinois, uh, you're not going to catch everything. But it's... I can't imagine writing this record, how difficult it was and how to make it not sound um, completely hokey or to mm -hmm. make it sound, you know, that I just got to, I got to cram as many Illinois things in here as possible because he does, but it doesn't sound that way. Mm -hmm. And again, to write a song about John Wayne Gacy, because he was in Illinois and have it come in this album and have it hits the way it hits and kudos. I, it, it's a brilliant record it's not for everybody uh but it is a it is a brilliant record i can definitely completely understand the praise that it got and if you don't like it i can completely understand that as well um mm -hmm. except for Kowalski day because she'll cry yeah so so what else do you have to add about that 
how does because he's probably the most straight laced singer songwriter guy that's contemporary that I listen to. How does um, he fit into? I would think the Springsteen comparison isn't at all a stretch. Like, do you do you? How how do you how would you compare and contrast those two, Sufjan and uh, Old Brucey Boy? But comparing it to like I guess Nebraska, because a lot of the other Springsteen, more the singer songwriter, stripped back Bruce uh, Springsteen stuff. Um, again, taking the taking the album as a whole, where like Nebraska is not about Nebraska, one one song is about something that happened in Nebraska. Mm. So you know, taking that. Um, the technical aspect of writing the entire album about a state again is the difficulty level there is a 10 out of 10. Um, but there's terms of phrase and I don't think he was probably remotely influenced by Springsteen at all. I don't, I don't think so. I don't hear that in his music. Okay. Um, but what I do hear are, are two people that know how to write to emotions and feelings that everyone can understand no matter where they're at or no matter what they've been through and the best singer songwriters um do that really well um you know dylan did it really well obviously um you know and we'll just what do you got three all that you know yeah those guys are they're a package deal so you get you get all of them okay <laughs> and that's no the singers, on them. the just, singer songwriters yeah they're they're brilliant everyone knows it in their mount rushmore um but I would also put it like um, maybe like a little bit a less wordy, like a Paul Simon, um, who's was criminally under uh, criminally, criminally, criminally underrated. Wasn't at one point in time uh, was held as probably one of the best American lyricists ever. Um, and and then just, uh, you know, I do it with like with Sorkin, um, you know, just in the in, in like movies. Um, there's tons of guys that just know how to write dialogue or lyrics that people understand but yeah i i would say it's i mean it's comparable to to a nebraska feel um if if you're a springsteen fan and you're watching this um listen to it you know and and listen to the lyrics you'll 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 get off on the lyrics that's the that's the big thing if you're a singer songwriter guy like i am um you'll you'll be amazed by the lyrics on this record um even the goofy funny ones like again, you'll be like, how did he? How did he think of that? How did he get that in there? You know, what was that thought process? Um, but any any singer songwriter that you know that 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 I hold up to, and there's a million of them. I'm forgetting a bunch of them. Um, but guys that can just turn a phrase and make you feel that feeling, whether you've been through it or not. You know, that's the chef's kiss, and that's what you know. That's what this album was to me. So yeah, I. I'd put you know this particular record again I haven't heard all of his other stuff so I don't know but this particular record yeah I'd put him up on that pedestal I'd say he's as good as any of those guys when it comes to especially on those particular tracks that we're talking about um, that I'm talking about because they are they're kind of a little bit different than some of the other songs on the record which kind of are to tie the album together and to bring Mm -hmm. in you know to to get to to get from point a to point b and these are really more kind of like standalone songs on the record you know, that, the, the point A, the point A to point B thing just kind of made me think. It's kind of like a road trip. That one's like a little road trip. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what it's kind of like. You're getting, we're you're like, getting, you know, we're going to Chicago. Now we're going to go to John Wayne, John Wayne Gacy's place. Okay, cool. Dude, apparently we're really good at this. We're really <laughs> yeah, smart. We should... figured I figured out it was a musical. You figured out it was a road trip album. Okay. How is it? How is it so many fucking things, dude? Sufjan, Sufjan Stevens is a very, he's the, the Paul Simon thing I like as a, as a comparison, because I find that they're both like, they're both very obvious. They're, they are both very obviously intelligent men but they they're not like super showy about it like mm-hmm. like if you're paying Sorkin. attention like it's it's you yeah 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 it's they're not it's not like masturbatory it's like if, if you understand the craft of it if you if like it's just way well crafted it's not flashy it's not showy it's just really well crafted and i find simon the same way too and even like the way they kind of the same kind of feelings because whenever i listen to like uh uh Paul Simon stuff. It's very like sincere and very um, not flowery. Sincere. It's really you know precious. It's just like that kind of thing. The same way Illinois hits me. The same way. Well, it's like, um, and I would I would even throw Lou Reed in there to a certain degree on some. We're gonna talk about him on some of his stuff. Um, But so like probably one of my favorite lyrics in the history of music. is from the sounds of silence simon and garfunkel mm-hmm. and it's the line it's like all my words come back to me in shades of mediocrity and emptiness mm-hmm. harmony blah, 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 blah. um everyone has felt that feeling at some point in time i don't care how old you are i don't care what your life experiences is is you have felt like you've done your best and it's not good you know and um and that wasn't about any like a mental health issue or anything like that. It wasn't, that's not that the song's about. It's just uh, a human it's, condition. It's a human condition. And for a lyricist to be able to write that, that and make it rhyme, because <laughs> that counts. <laughs> um, yeah. For him to be able to write that and and literally that that touches everybody in that way. Everyone's had that feeling. And there's a million, and there's a million lyrics that have done that. But those are the ones that really jump out to me when it, when it pings you like that and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what he means. I know exactly what that narrator's talking about and that narrator's talking to me. And that's, again, for me, the love of the singer songwriter, this great is they say those things and, and I understand what they're feeling from. And even though they didn't write the song about me, they didn't, you know, they're not trying to, trying to, you know, talk to me. They do talk to me through their song. And that's what he does exceptionally well on this album. So um, and I know that was pretty long and pretty wordy. And if you're still sticking around, good on you, mate. Um, hey, hopefully, hopefully a Sufjan Stevens fan saw this and was like, holy shit, we're, we get more people to talk about Illinois. Because we're getting ready to go fun. into an entirely different direction. Um, uh, no, I would, like, I would like to say that this next record is also just as uh, well thought out and introspective <laughs> as Illinois is. Unironically, maybe a little introspective at some points. So just to, to tie this one up, um, again, I, I would recommend everyone to listen to it. I, I would recommend everyone listen to it. Um, I know some people, some people aren't going to dig it. Some people aren't going to like it. Um, and that's not because it's poorly done. It's just because it's kind of a, it's, 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 an, it's a unique style on this particular mm-hmm. record. Um, but give it a listen, give it a go. If, uh, if, if anything, you don't want to listen to the whole album and you want to know what this old man's yammering about, just go to YouTube and pull up Cast 
Center Pulaski Day and listen to the song and you'll understand what and that's not what the whole album's about either. That's the crazy thing. That's not the entire vibe of the whole album at all. I um, know. But listen to that song and and see what you think. Did you have anything else on the record? Uh no. It's just uh it's one of those it's just it's it's one of those records. It's just one of those records that it's just one of those. That's what it, it is. is. It is. All right. So the record that I gave Seth was from a little band called Guns and Roses, Appetite for Destruction, their debut record um, on Geffen. I know there's an EP out there. We're not counting that because EPs don't count. Um, don't fucking count. So Seth, I am, and your mother, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's are Day! are incredibly interested to see what you have to say about this particular album. All right. So, well, uh, did you just give me this record because you're like, what the hell do kids think of Guns N' Roses now? Um, I will actually tell you why in great detail after. Okay. Uh, okay, fair I, enough. No, I actually, I actually honestly have a pretty legitimate reason for it um it'll be a bit hot takey <laughs> at the end stay tuned <laughs> sure. um but no actually the other reason is i know you don't listen to a lot of quote-unquote rock music that's never been like a, a genre that like traditional rock that you listen to or um this back- this style of rock specifically mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll get into that but please continue sorry um so I wanted to, because uh, I mean, I, I know you've heard some of these songs. It's, you know, I mean, you yeah. can't, everyone's heard Sweet Child of Mine. And if you've ever been yeah. to a sporting event, you've heard Paradise City. Um, so, but I kind of wanted to see what you thought about uh, the album as a whole. And the, the uh, kind of the genre what you thought it was and what it actually, what it actually is. Okay. And um, I also wanted to tell a really funny story about this record and why I hated it so much the first time that I saw it. So, so take it away, boy. So this is out of all the records we've talked about so far, this is the one that it's like, I'm the most familiar with it. I grew up listening to all these songs. I knew I knew a lot of the words to a lot of these songs. I've listened to it again. It's like, yeah, I already, I already know the fucking lyrics. Um, there are, there is a issue I have with the record that I, it's not really something, I don't even, I don't, and it isn't the record, isn't the band. It, it this is the thing, is, it's an album that understands why it's great. I mean, it's got like fucking five number one like all the classics on here. That's mm-hmm. insanity. That Welcome to the Jungle and Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise City, or in Night Train, all the same album. That's ludicrous. That's ludicrous. Yeah. It's pretty fucking crazy. On a debut but, album. On a debut yeah, album. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, is this heavy metal, hard rock, glam rock, all three? Um, okay, so I guess we'll I'll jump in here for a second. So um, I I would call it hard rock is basically what I would okay. call. It. I would I wouldn't call it metal. Um, I would not call it metal either. Glam rock, I would one thousand percent say they were massively influenced by that, and they mm-hmm. were a they were a glam band at one point in time, 
um, that kind of morphed into that. There was actually a lot of early pictures of them and like with with huge hair um, in the video. There's actually for Welcome to the Jungle, they've got Axel with his hair pumped up with the makeup on. Um, and that had become kind of um, almost cosplay for hair metal bands at that point in mm -hmm. time. And this was kind of a, a, a record that when they put it out, kind of transitioned from that to what they were going to be and what they were what they were trying to do. Uh, they were definitely at one point in time a glam metal band um, in the LA scene for sure, a million percent. Mm -hmm. um, massively influenced by like the New York Dolls, um, the androgyny of just what that scene kind of looked like with like say like Poison or there's a, mm -hmm. there was a million Molly crew that LA guns whatever yeah that, I mean, that was just a big thing, and then it's kind of took that and, and kind of ramped it up a new another way, but. Um, no, they actually like one of their cover albums, um, you know, they did New York doll stuff. They did, you know, Johnny Thunder stuff. Um, they did Stooges stuff. They did T-Rex stuff. So the, they were, they were really, really influenced by that, by that particular style of music, but I'm okay. sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. That is, that is good because that's the, the thing. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say all the things I like about first because there's a lot of shit I like about it. And it, again, this isn't the thing. The big issue I have isn't with the record per se. It's the genre. Oh, I'm excited. This is hot take stuff. Go ahead. Right. Oh no, it's really hot take shit. So, okay. Welcome to the Jungle. You don't need any fucking notes on it. It's Welcome to the Jungle. It's probably one of the best openers on a rock record of all time. Um, that's it's well. It's Welcome to the fucking Jungle. It's Welcome to the Jungle. You can't say anything new about it. It's it's a jam. It's so easy. I'm iffy on. I can take a leave that song. I like I like the vocal style. My favorite song on the record, and it was my favorite song on Hearing Guns and Roses song when I was a, a little tyke is Mr. Brownstone. And nice. it's got it's, I like the rhythm to it. I like the vocal style of it. And whenever I first heard it, I didn't quite I did thought there were other people doing vocals. I didn't know it was Axl Rose doing vocals on all of it. Because hearing it's so easy right after Welcome to the Jungle. How the fuck is anyone supposed to think as the same human being making those sounds? Completely different, uh, not registries. What's the word? Ranges. Completely Ranges different. octaves. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it is. Uh, My Michelle's a pretty funny um, Paul McCartney love song. <laughs> Shout out to a nice uh, Michelle. It's the second best song with Michelle in the title, I'd say. Um, and of course, you know, Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine their all-time classics as far as rock goes all-time classics um there's a lot of great musicianship and talent uh slash mm -hmm. has like a guitar solo per song sometimes he's like i want to instead he in, th in this I, I googled it because you know there's people that are celebrity status musicians and it's like okay are they just celebrity are they celebrities because they're so good at what they do and from what I could tell, the answer is yes. Slash really is one of the best guitarists of all time. He isn't just like one of the most recognizable, iconic ones. He's fucking phenomenal. He's a great guitarist. So that was very good to know. Axl Rose is great vocally. Uh, I think some of the songwriting topics are a little overdone and a little not that interesting. Okay. And so now, so now we'll lead into my big gripe with the record and kind of that scene. 
So I'm gonna be I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit up on my high horse like a motherfucker. So I'm a big Lou Reed guy. I love the Velvet Underground. I think they're like the best fucking rock band of all time. And now here's the thing: is I used to be a little bit of a Beatles contrarian. I wasn't the biggest Beatles. I used to be the biggest Beatles fan, and then I was like, I'm too smart for the Beatles. And then I'm like, now the Beatles fucking rock. Mm-hmm. But my thing with the record is whenever the, well first question whenever this came like whenever this was popping off were people treating it like it was like the satanic panic were they like fucking terrified of this music corrupting our youth was that a conversation that was being had no okay no so it seems very oh sorry okay so this was um this kind of goes back to the power of MTV at that point in time. I know it's hard, and I know it's a cliche to make that joke and all that. Right back when MTV played music. <laughs> um, at one point in time, MTV could make or break a band. If you had a great video, you could become like literally overnight a superstar. And that's actually something that happened with this particular band. And I'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, that a video hit and exploded and it made Guns N' Roses who they were. Um, but this was the first, not the first, but this was the biggest band that blew up that wasn't the kind of hair metal stuff that we had gotten used to seeing on MTV with slick, slickly produced videos. Um, you know, like lead, lead guys that were funny, vocals that were at times questionable um just as far as the talent there but also keep in mind that this was the la scene at that time okay and i think that that might be one thing that might be a bit lost in translation um and i'll I'll say it to you like this lee reed wrote about new york that's is that's as new york as it gets that's the scene that he wrote about what they're writing about here, that was the LA scene at that time, which at this point in time was also kind of underground. They were playing the Viper, they were playing the Rocks, they were playing the Ogogo, they were touring their asses off and playing with all these other bands. So it was that grimy, which has now become kind of cliche, the, you know, the strippers, the Coke, the drugs, the alcohol, the party all night, that was the vibe on this. So that definitely does paint this album with the tone that's painted because that was the lifestyle that they were living so i will say that this is an honest album when it comes to that because like like my michelle and rocket queen were written specifically about people like real life yeah I, I, saw, I saw that those were actual true stories like they were yeah autobiographical actually, in a sense and sweet child of mine is is, is also um so that's what kind of have made that tone but was there a freak out you know um by like you know the the ptrc and all that stuff no there wasn't this was just kind of like where these guys come from and and you know what are we hearing so continue okay so this is so i'm curious about that go back to go back to your lee reed thing i'm sorry that's i don't want to get off track yeah no 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 i I got you so the the Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground, in my mind, they are kind of what brought, because when you think of rock music, you think of strippers, blow, degeneracy, 
mania, like that kind of shit. That is why I love the Velvet Underground because not only do they bring that, but they brought it in the sound of it. And there's some, and it's not just a gripe I have with this record, but there's something about these rock records that want to bring that sense of live hard, live fast, that kind of thing, that it just, something doesn't fucking click with me when it's on an immaculately produced record. I want this sound to have some fuzz. I want this sound to have some fucking bite. And I get that. And in a way it's kind of like, it, it seems inauthentic in a sense that it, the record is about these hard, these hard living motherfucking rock stars that are going crazy, but these records sound so good. And maybe okay, that's kind that. of, maybe that's kind of, like I'm trying to play devil's advocate because I'm trying to figure out just what it is. I mean, I like the white, I, I want some fuzz. I want like, if you're going to bring that degeneracy, like I want the, the sound to also reflect that. And not that they can't be like talented because some let's we can just all admit that punk musicians aren't always the most talented. Most of them can't sing worth a damn. And it's not it's not even as if uh, I don't want to give off the impression that it's like they're too talented to be rock stars because you can be talented. I like I think about comparing this to like Hendrix stuff, where Hendrix was like a great musician and he was a live fast kind of guy, obviously. But right. it had that it had that fuzz. Like he brought that degeneracy, that that like we do things differently down here thing into the actual sound of the record. And so it isn't the fault of the record or Guns N' Roses. It's just with that whole scene, there's something I find inauthentic about dressing. If you're a hard rock star, dressing up in an outfit to perform. Okay, I I understand. I I get your point. I do. Yeah. Um, and that and that's totally personal preference too, by the way. Okay, I and I would, I would also kind of to 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 challenge you on that. Please do. Is so, and I wrote about this thirty-five years ago. So you found, uh, and this isn't an indie band. I'm going to speak in a broad term. This doesn't actually reflect specifically to this album. But, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, we got the whole you sold out thing. That was like the big deal. You know, you sold mm -hmm. out, you sold out. That's and, happening fucking all the time still. And I'll use, um, I think in the, in the review that I wrote, I know I brought up REM. I think I brought up Metallica in it too. Um, so you make an early record where you can't afford great production. You can't afford as much studio time. And you've got a raw sound. I'll use I'll use Metallica, for example. So Master Please of Puppets, do. you know, Master of Puppets, you know seminal album um it's super tinny on it the vocals i don't think are incredibly well produced i'm not talking about performance I'm talking about straight production on this um and it just the sound of it production wise is what they could afford 
just like quite frankly at that point in time then you listen to what we'll call the black album it's big it's loud it's bombastic it's produced to a t a lot of early metallica fans are like oh they sold out it's overproduced you know and they go on stone they wear our suits which is fucking hilarious that's a flex like of all time and you know so what i ask you is 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 it the performance and of it or is it just that they don't sound like the indie band that you knew about compared to the hundreds of millions of people that are going to enjoy their music now and they can simply afford better things and nicer toys well see that is uh because on the internet there is a lot of I hate to use the word gatekeeping, but there is there is a lot of that. There's a lot of that in the music scene today because one of my favorite bands was Car Seat Headrest. And he made eight albums by himself, did all the productions, kept putting them out on Bandcamp, eventually got a record deal with Matador and started, he did a remaster of one of my favorite records from him, Twin Fantasy. It's recorded in a, it sounds like shit. And I, and I like that, I like it. It makes it more charming for me. And he re-recorded the record with like, all this, all the good tricks and changing some, uh, you know, sequencing and shit on it. And in a situation like that, I still, cause I still have the old one. So I can still listen to it and I prefer it, but I'm very sympathetic to the idea of these people that want to, it's like, yeah, if I was playing in my car, if I was literally recording songs in my car for eight years and I got a record deal, I'd be using it for all I fucking could. It isn't, because the Metallica is actually a very good example because a lot of metal is really, really well produced. A lot of metal. And like Zeppelin stuff is really well produced too. Sabbath really well produced. And I have, I, I feel that same way about some of the rock stuff from the 60s being because it is metal, metal specifically. It's so fucking well produced. It's annoying how good it is. But they're just really, it, this one is like very... It's so hard for me to not to not get that out of it because they keep singing about it and they keep writing songs about all this degeneracy and songs about strung out on horse and fucking these crazy girls and there are some softer cuts too. But it just doesn't like it just it seems contradict it seems like it's a contradictory baked in. And the thing is, is one of my favorite punk records from like the past few years is so well produced. So I'm being a bit of a hypocrite on this, but this on this one, it's just so there. And not that I don't, I mean, it is purely a taste thing, but, mm-hmm. cause I wouldn't say this record's bad at all. Like it's definitely not bad. It's a fucking Stone Cold classic. A lot of these songs are really well, um, like the composition of them is great and the guitar, the instrumentation is great. I just can't get past that. Okay, I I, I, get I, I just that. can't, and it's and it's and it's it, it seems as if it's like I, I do feel pretentious in saying it, but it's like in in my rock music that's that's where I like my rock music. I like that shit hard, and it is a first album kind of vibe. Okay, oh, sorry, so, I like I like those. So then I would say, um, I'm gonna give you a recommendation that doesn't count because we're not gonna review the album. Um, <laughs> so from the same time, from the same group, or the same the the same area. So listen to the uh, album by Faster Pussycat. Um, they actually played a lot of the same venues that they ran in the same crowd. And you'll hear 
kind of the difference because it's 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 pretty rawly recorded um it's actually it's not my love we used to cover a bunch of their stuff in the band i played in um and you'll hear the difference between between the two records and i also might go so far as you say as you'll also understand why you're familiar with guns and roses and you've never fucking heard of faster pussycat <laughs> so I've, I've heard of faster pussycat I've heard of Pastor Pussy Guy. I've heard you play some stuff. Uh, well, you have heard it because your mom likes him and I like him and we play it <laughs> yeah. in the house. But I'm just using that as an analogy that there, mm-hmm. there might I be something. You. There might be something to that. But go ahead, get back to the record. Then, and, and what I will say about that whole tirade that went on is it's not as blatant as some shit because I, I can't stand Motley Crue. I can't really stand Poison very much because those, it's like, it's ironic to me. It, it's ironic. It's like so that contradictory of like, you know, we're crazy, but we're also very commercially viable. It's just like it. it, it I just can't deal with it. But this, it's it's not as bad. It's it's not okay. as blatant to me. Now I'll get back to you on that. God, this is gonna go long, guys. So pack a lunch. <laughs> um, if you listen to their debut albums, they're like eight tracked. They're raw. No, no. They're, raw, they're raw shit. Really? And yeah, I mean, they're like, like there's mistakes in those records that are because we covered the shit out of that stuff. Um, they're raw, raw. The first okay, po- I like the first, that. The first Poison album is, oh my god, uh, it the production on it is atrocious, um, but that was but again and i will say because these guys were because it's it's funny you say that because the band that i was in we covered a bunch of hair metal stuff because it was just of the time and i couldn't stand a lot of it i was super pretentious about the drumming on a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. all the time at least a great drummer um but i was really pretentious about theirs was like the whole satan thing it was dumb um but like <laughs> too fast to fall in love that album's really raw it's it's i mean a lot of it's live recorded you know they played the band the entire time they tracked everything that way um and then they just could afford better stuff and they realized mtv and was radio play without having to get radio play and again that was just part of that whole california scene and that whole that whole la scene on it but no i i understand what you're saying i i do i get i get what you're saying when it comes to that and yes it is a te- it is a tad pretentious when it comes to that um it certainly so is i'll just i'll ask you this this question real quick so like a who you got so uh mr brownstone or heroin oh hey i i'm taking heroin every i'm taking heroin every time although okay. although this 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 record did make me i was listening to this for this and then i was listening i was like looking through the comments and looking through stuff online and I saw someone on Mr. Brownstone say like a comment on YouTube that was like, uh, used to listen to this song while shooting H, been off it for like 25 years, it's possible guys. And then I've also been listening to a bunch of Radiohead and someone on one of their songs commented a very similar thing. And I realized heroin addicts have great taste in music. Hotheads <laughs> have terrible taste in music. Stoners <laughs> listen to bad shit. Heroin addicts, something about it. I don't know, man. They got some good taste. Uh, that soundtrack to train spotting. That's a good take. That's a good take. It's fucking. It's it's good true, take. man. I, you got. I'll take Iggy Pop over reggae. Reggae rocks though. I'm not gonna shit on reggae, but Iggy Pop is. It's a bit cooler. But like, okay, okay. So that's okay. That's that's the kind of guy that when I think about like the rawness and the motherfuckingness, motherfucker. 
-hmm. that's like Iggy Pop. That's, you know, yeah. it's raw. And, and the thing is, is I like Lou Reed and I, I think Lou Reed, specifically with the Velvet Underground is a good example of that. And that's why I find, um, not Squeeze, what's the other one? Loaded, with, with, with uh, Sweet Jane on it. That's Loaded, right? Yeah, it's Loaded. That's why I find that one to be so inauthentic. It's because they started out with just, just like, just being maniacs and not selling records. And not that like, you can't be a good rock star if you're unsuccessful because that is something the Beatles somehow managed to do was continue being dumb kids and just doing dumb stuff on songs, but just pulling it off and like the best match trick ever. Um, well, yeah, and also their career arc was like six years. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is still mind blowing. Yeah, it's but like even Lou Reed got like much more polished and like Walk on the Wild Side is a great, a, a really well produced song and Perfect Day is like by no stretch of the imagination a raw song at all. And that's one of my favorite Lou Reed songs. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, um, so to go back to, to the record, um, I did say the, the, the talent that is on it is unreal. Like the, the guitar, the guitar solos are unreal. It is ridiculous how much, how much Slash can pull off. And they're all very obviously hellacious musicians. Um, actually, I almost forgot one of my favorite, a couple things on it. Thank God I took actually, I took, actually took notes. <laughs> There's so much fucking cowbell and I'm all for it. I'll, I'll take cowbells, put them on every goddamn song. I, I can't yeah, be wrong. That was good. I did think, uh, I did say that My Michelle is definitely one of the more interesting songs, um, as far as songwriting perspective goes, because and maybe it's just because I've just, I'm just fucking heard Paradise City and Sweet Child Mind so many times. Sure. I can't like, I can't, I can't try and analyze it. It's just like beyond that. It's just ingrained now. But My Michelle is very, it's a very interesting song. I like that um, narrative that's going on and calling it My Michelle is so funny because I, I cannot think mm -hmm. of the, the Beatles song in there too. Rocket Queen. Now see, that is some punk ass shit to do on a fucking song. That's some badass shit. They put a woman moaning during sex in the song. That's some rock and roll ass shit right there. That's rock and roll, brother. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, it was legit. It was real. It's badass. They mic'd her up. Had you know that's that's performance, friend. That's performance, friend. And see and that that that's our tour right there. Axel Rose is an all tour. That's badass. Yeah. And that's actually one thing that Guns N' Roses and Kanye West both have in common. Gangster. That's see, that's like that's that's a good example of some gangster rock and roll shit that I like out of the rock and roll stars. Did you did you expect me to be kind of indifferent about it? No, um, I'm not that I, I am indifferent, but just to not be like super mm, jazzed, I suppose. Yeah, I did. Um and kind of the question that I would ask is, so if you put this on, you know, at a party, I know like welcome comes on, people are going to smash out to, cause it's, it's what it is. And it's been around. Yeah, it's your open, life. It's you you, you couldn't have missed it. Right. You couldn't have missed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also know this isn't like, again, particularly a genre that you're, you know, super into. Um, but do you think it that it holds up that if someone that was 19 bought appetite for destruction and put it on that they would be blown away by it 
Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think so because the thing is, is like this, even though I'm not, I'm not that big on the sound, um, it is a classic sound and it, they, they found it and they got it good. They got it so good that if any other band in this decade tried to make an album that is in that genre, they're going to be saying, people are going to say that they are ripping Guns N' Roses, that it's just a Guns N' Roses cover band. Like, like, like the whole Greta Van Fleet thing. If someone tried to make music like Guns N' Roses, it's going to, they're just going to say, just go listen to Guns N' Roses instead. Um, okay. And especially because I get, I understand kind of both perspectives here where the older people are like, oh man, rock music like this, it doesn't come out anymore. And it's like, yeah, that, I, I would probably agree with that. And then kids are like, oh, this stuff's like boring and dated dinosaur music. We listen to like, the logical conclusion of where this kind of goes to and like they're both not wrong but like they're both not quite right um it does hold up like a lot of the songs are still classics like i'm not gonna skip sweet child of mine because that that fucking chord is one of the catchiest chords of all time maybe the catchiest chord of all time honestly um yeah i think for rockers like i mean even if you're in the rock this is this is a this is a classic it's a stone cold classic people still listen to it all the time Kids my age are gonna know half the songs on here. Um, it definitely does hold up. It doesn't, this is another one of those examples where the sound, um, people could say it's dated. That's just because the genre is like 40 years out now. But, and I don't think it sounds dated. I think it just sounds like of its time. And it, uh, yeah, that's that, that's what I would say. It, it, it holds up. Okay. People are still going to call it boomer dad rock, but like that's, you can't fucking stop them from saying that on anything. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, and I will say, I, I actually only listened to this album once before doing this review because I've heard it so many times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would like to, to do a shout out. Um, and it's on YouTube. So there's a band called Australian Crawl. And they have a song called Unpublished Critics. And watch the video because the song sounds like Sweet Child of Mine. And it was recorded in 1981. And I'd never heard this. This, I, this was something that just popped up. And it's kind of it's eerie. Um, my, wife was saying, <laughs> my wife was saying it was a stretch, but uh, it's kind of eerie. And I saw like in, I think it was like 2015, 2016. And Steven Adler was like, we never heard this band. We never heard this song. And the guy that actually recorded it in the YouTube, he's in the comments. He's like, I played guitar on this album. I, I did all this stuff. He's like, there's no way they ever heard this song. But it's just a pretty simple chord progression. And it just sounds similar to it. But it's something, if you're a Guns N' Roses fan, um listen to it because it is it's you can hear it there's no doubt you can definitely hear it it's it's pretty interesting but that was kind of a side it it, so. it, it's not it sounds like someone heard sweet child of mine and is trying to describe it to somebody else and that's yeah. australian crawl yeah that, that's what it is yeah because i played it for seth and it's like you can hear it i mean you can it's it's it's, it's weird it's fucking strange uh, okay so i'm taking it that this is not something that you would probably throw on and listen to willingly just to listen to it i put mr, mr. brownstone's back in the back in the like songs mr brownstone's fucking groovy dude that song okay. rocks <laughs> so 
this is going to be kind of the hot take thing. Okay. This is going to be the old man going off on our little bit of a rant here. Go for it. So this album did not explode when it was released at all. It entered at like 187 on the top 200 and did shit for a year. Did absolutely nothing. Um, to the point that Geffen was going to not back the album anymore. So they worked a deal out with MTV to play Welcome to the Jungle three times in a row on three nights. And this is the biggest debut album in the history of U.S. music. The 11th selling best album of all time. The 16th best-selling album worldwide of all time. The Rolling Stone has it as the number 62 album of all time. I never hear anyone quote them as an inspiration nowadays. So when you hear rock is dead and all that kind of stuff, I actually understand that point. Because this is one of the biggest selling albums ever in the history of music. And I rarely hear someone say they were influenced by Guns N' Roses. So I would say that to a certain point, the genre is a bit dead. And I'm a huge Foo fan, obviously. We've discussed that. And I basically hear them as like the rock band that people talk about mm-hmm. because rock music doesn't get radio play and if i don't listen to that specific spotify channel i'm not going to hear new rock music where 40 years ago this is what we heard on the radio all the time so you have a band that had number one whether you like him or not he's a front man He's a guy. He is a motherfucking He's a front, front man, man right? all right. Yeah. So you've got a band that's got a, you know, that's got a, a definite front man on that. They basically have three albums. They've got the debut. They had Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 that kind of followed up. And I know they had the Spaghetti Incident and they had Lies with EPs again. Comment, was it Chinese Democracy? That album looked cool. Didn't come out for like 20 years. Oh, okay. So bands the biggest band in the world super popular radio play everywhere changing everything went from hair metal you know to to this to this style starting to have fallouts they release a live album that's basically their last album was guns and roses and then they pretty much kind of fade into obscurity because the lead singer's not there anymore I'm not talking about Nirvana, but it's the same thing, except Axel lived and was an asshole and disappeared. This to me is the perfect example of why I understand the mythos around Nirvana, but I think it's way overhyped. Thoughts? 
So wait, I was, okay, okay, no, no, I, I see, I see your point. What is so then? You think that Nirvana is overhyped, but you do not think that Guns N' Roses is overhyped. I actually think right now Guns N' Roses is underhyped. I think if Axel dies at this point in time, that they're on Nirvana status because they were the biggest band in the world. And there is no, there is no question about that. They were the biggest band in the world at that point in time. But he just happened to be an asshole that freaked out and left and left everybody with a bad taste in their mouth and Guns N' Roses. They're not forgotten, but Guns N' Roses isn't held to that same esteem as Nirvana mm. is. Now you've got critics in there and stuff like that too. And they respected, you know, the songwriting more, um, which I get, but no, to me, this is like the perfect example. Biggest debut album of all time. 11th biggest selling album of all time. And you rarely hear somebody talk about GNR and you damn sure don't see that little smiley face tattooed on people's arms. So just a rant, just something that I've said. Seth knows how I feel about that. Just wanted to bring it up. No, I like, there's definite, there's definite things to go off on that. There's definite, because I see what you're saying. And I think, <clears throat> I'm not going to say I disagree, but there is something about like, my, my whole problem with, the, with like the, the saying that the, the, the hard rock style and then like the, like the hard rock lifestyle in with this production seems authentic. I think that's why the people romanticize like the Cobain-esque kind of, because the Cobain, that's like a, we'll just call it like the, the archetype of that kind of guy, you know? die by the sword he lived with so i think that that is why it's so it's like oh he just he, like he was so hard that he fucking died like that and whether or not whether or not that's a good because it is a bit romanticizing mental illness and drug addiction which isn't very good but he didn't live long enough to make a bad album now see that's also true <laughs> I'm, tr I'm trying to think of, of uh, well, the Beatles. Like, they, they fucking quit while they were ahead. They know what to they do. Left, they got they the fuck out of Dodge. Right. <laughs> but so that's just for you GNR fans out there. I just wanted to bring that up because um, also I do have an anti-Nirvana bias. Um, <laughs> but I think the cop, I think the, the comparison is apt when it comes to that. Um, you know, if Axel wouldn't have just flaked out and disappeared for the better part of 20 years. Um, the band might be held in a slightly different regard. So I do want to circle back to why I hated this album the first time that I saw it. Yes, so, I, I'm curious. Okay, so I worked at a radio station and we get promo. Back then we used to get promo albums. They would send you promo albums to listen to. You could spin them, decide if you could play them or whatever like that. Obviously this album, there's a ton of language on it. So there's a lot of radio songs that just simply weren't safe for radio play. They just, they simply weren't. So I hadn't listened to the album. We would just get them. We would look at them. We'd kind of look at lyric sheets. If there was something that we thought was interesting, we'd throw it on and kind of listen to it in the, in the, in the break room. So I read the lyrics to It's So Easy. And this was the original album cover, the one that got banned, that 
I gave to a friend of mine. So he has it hopefully still to this day. It's like, it's like <laughs> 300 bucks. It's not like, you know, fortune, but it, he, he has the original one. He does. Or I gave him one. We broke the other one. Um, <laughs> and so I read the lyrics to It's So Easy, which I'm not going to repeat here on this channel. Um, and I'm like, oh, these guys are trash. They're hor I hadn't listened to the record at all. I'm just reading the lyrics. I'm like, oh, these poser crap, trash, whatever like that. So, and, and like, I'm making fun of it with a guy that I did the show with. And so keep going through, you know, if you haven't heard Sweet Child of Mine, you read the lyrics, you're like, this is kind of candy crap. So I didn't realize that. So <laughs> then, I, then I read You're Crazy. And I'm like, oh, these guys are lyricists, man. This is like, you know, freaking Dylan here. So we take the album, we chuck it up against the wall, we break it. Um, I had the other copy of it. I gave it to Tim. And uh, like I said, hopefully you still got the copy of it. So yeah, that's my initial experience to Sweet Child of Mine or to uh, Guns N' Roses. So then it hits, right? So like Jungle Goes Crazy on MTV. They followed up, you know, Sweet Child of Mine. It's a, it's a great video and it's a super catchy riff and it's incredibly well done and all that. I had dug in at this point in time. I hated Guns N' Roses. Nothing was going to change my <laughs> mind. And a good friend of mine went out of town and this we were kind of like pen pals while she was gone for the summer and she wrote me this thing she was like hey sweet child of mine how's it going and i'm like fire back I'm like don't you call me that don't no this is music is trash blah 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 <laughs> and so that was fine like man it's a fucking jam album just, just go with it <laughs> i'm like, seven, I'm like 17 and i'm like okay i realized that i might have misjudged this stuff when i listened when i didn't listen to it the first time i just read the <laughs> lyrics and i'm thinking that in a hard rock it's going to be like you know, reading Tennyson or something like that, or it's like Walden. And uh, so I would say now I'm, I am a Guns N' Roses fan and, and this album is a classic and, and all that. And uh, but no, that, that was my funny story is number one, I broke the original pressing um, that I had, gave the other one away. And I decided I hated the band when I never actually listened to them, but I read their lyrics and I thought that they were really bad. So that's- Granted, granted. If you're reading "It's So Easy" dry, that sounds like a fucking yeah. sad. That sounds like a, like a sad. You could that could be satire. Someone could write that song like pretending to be in a hard rock band. That's fucking hilarious. So, so to That's kind of put a bow on this, um, I would say, you know, as far as a Subaru's album, like I said, listen to it. Um, I some of you will like it, some of you won't. Uh, but it's it's well deserved of of the praise that it's got, and he's an incredible songwriter for sure on that. And uh, you want to wrap up GNR? Yeah, I would say listen to it. But you've already fucking heard it. Um, give some of the other cuts on the record that aren't number one all timer songs a listen. Uh, Rocket Queen, I I do like that one. I love I love Mr. Brownstone. Something about heroin and media is just so badass. And uh, yeah, just just go go through and just, you know, give a, some of the deeper cuts a listen. If you're my age, you, you've heard it. I know you fucking have. Everyone's heard some of these songs, but it's good. It's Guns and Roses. It's Guns and Roses. They're they're, you know who the hell they are. I think I always thought Night Train was underrated. I think Night Train's a really good song. Night Train's pretty badass. Night Train. Yeah. I honestly, I wish Night Train was longer and Paradise City was shorter. There's a there's a cut of Night Train. I think it's on the deluxe edition. 
um, that came out a few years ago that's a longer version. And they also did an acoustic version of that at one mm. point in time that was pretty interesting as well. Um, I, I was I was thinking that if they did um, My Michelle, like I'm, I'm imagining like Dylan covering that, like, like in a singer-songwriter way and just like kind of adjusting some of the lyrics to not be so... Um, like, like it's, it's written to be played in a rock way, but if you tried to like, if you rework that, you could turn that into like a really somber, like singer songwriter kind of song about like this poor woman. And I, and I want to say too, that as far as the arc of a band, when, so when they came out with use your illusion one and two, which again is a little, we're rock stars at this point in time to put out those two albums from where that genre was to what they did um they were they were an amazing band and you know like seth and i watched a video the other night it was from the mtv music awards where they did a thing with elton john um for november rain you couldn't imagine poison doing a thing with an orchestra and gnr did that and did it incredibly incredibly well um don't cry incredibly well their videos were killer that they did um when you take a debut album like he said with those songs on it you know with with just classic after classic after classic after classic on it um you know i just i just really feel that they kind of don't get the the respect that they get because they were a rock band and they just didn't kind of, you know, people don't take them, you know, we lowered Zeppelin, mm-hmm. you know, we lowered the stones. And I think that it's kind of come down to where people kind of, kind of sleep on GNR for a little bit, even though they're the best-selling debut album of all time to beat a dead horse. So, um, but again, could be great mom, Mother's Day gifts, belated, pick up the albums. No one's going to hate the GNR album. You put it on, you're going to jam to it. If you, especially if you're over 35. Um, so now then to the next episode what you got for me boy well see that's the thing there's one i'm certainly going to give you and i might give it to you right now but i think we're gonna give you a bit of a strange one because it's an artist that we're, we're going to get into the fucking weird shit. We're going to get into some weirder shit. And it's it's okay. electro. So I'm trying to give you some electro records that have that talented people make. Because I know you heard me listening. Okay, wait, here's a fun little thing. I grew up in middle school and junior high. I listened to a lot of Skrillex and Dead Mouse. Yes, you did. Believe it or not, in the production scene now, Skrillex is revered as a like production genius. And looking back and listening at some of the stuff I used to listen to, dubstep, I understand why people don't like a lot of electro stuff because a lot of fucking hacks make it. The Chainsmokers are hacks. Diplo used to be a very talented fellow, but now he's kind of a hack. So I'm going to try and find some stuff with charm and actual artistry behind it because some of these people are fucking maniacal. And this artist is very near and dear to my heart. It's a very good example of a debut that has that rawness that I was talking about. So I'm going to give you Arular by M.I.A. 
her debut record. Okay. And everyone knows Paper Planes. And I love it. I love, love, love MIA. And well, I'll get into why I'm giving it to you later the next time we do it. Because God damn, it's a good one. Yeah, I'm laughing because I'm writing this down. I'm like, I can spell all you are. I have no <laughs> idea what it is. But I got sure you. I can, sure, I can find it on the old Spotify's. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Just look up MIA. First, it's 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 the first record. It's not Kala. It's it's the very first one to the bottom. Arundhar. Right. Okay. So this, there's two records that I've wanted to give you that I've actually been a little bit kind of um, nervous about giving you because I'm not sure how they will hit with you. So I'm going to give you one of them. And again, it's an artist you're familiar with because these people have been around your entire life. So I mean, you're familiar with them. But I don't, I know you haven't listened to the whole album. So I'm going to give you from 1993 debut album, August and Everything After by the Counting Crows. So, you know, I said I was going to give you Heavyweight after Heavyweight, which I feel like I've done. Um, <laughs> this is a big album for sure. I mean, it sold, it sold a ton of them. Um, and everyone knows Mr. Jones when it comes to it. But I am really curious uh, to hear what you think about it when you listen to the entire album on that. So, um, and, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit nervous about this one. I'm curious to hear what you, what you have to say about it. So, so that's where we're going on this, this crazy trip to nowhere. So um, I know this has been a long one. Uh, if you make it through the podcast, God love you if you make it through this whole thing. <laughs> Um, because it's been a bunch of rambling about stuff, and Seth still doesn't like Guns N' Roses. His mom's gonna be really disappointed on Mother's Day. I know they really like Guns N' Roses, and uh, you know, I just was talking about how I was crying about a song on a, a Sufan, Subaru album that uh, while I was fishing. So I can all dude, if I was fucking fishing by myself and I cast me Pulisky, I'd fucking break down. Jesus, God, you're out in a pond all alone. That's I think that's actually I didn't I didn't read Walden, but I think that's what happened in Walden. I think he went to go fish and he heard this that song and started crying. Makes that sense. sounds well, right. Let's fact check it, but facts don't really matter anymore. So, on that, people are saying, yes, people, many many people are saying, <laughs> usually bigly. So, hey guys, again, we appreciate you sticking through this with us. We enjoy the heck out of this. Hey man, it's been a rough week. We know that for a lot of people, but listen to music read some stuff. Uh, it'll clear your head. It'll make you feel better on it. And it just, it's nice to know that we still live in a world when a horse that was an 80 to one long shot just freaking won the Kentucky Derby. So if that doesn't give you some reason to have some faith and that horse kicked ass in that race, by the way, uh, if you haven't watched the video, watch the video of that horse and you see a horse that's like, fuck it on nails and then bites the other horses afterwards and then smiles when they take his picture of him by the trophy um so there is still good in the world and that's that's what i'm hanging my hat on this week so I no fucking clue something like that happened was that today oh saturday it was great 80 to 1 81 long shot smokes on the inside rail impossible to do it the jockey is fantastic on it 
But yeah, this guy just like basically showed up at the crib. Is like, yeah, I got this. And <laughs> smokes the two favorites and wins the derby. So good on you. And good on you for watching us. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Take care.